Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I'm looking very forward to our first caller from the Bay Area, my old stomping ground, actually. John, John, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Good golly, Miss Molly. Hello. Long time no talk. <laughs> Long time no talk. How are you today? I'm doing really well. You know, it's a, another great day here in California. And, you know, as a manager, as a leader, you know, you need to be optimistic every day. Yeah, it's, uh, it's also a happier way to be. At least I have found that. So I am keen to hear what uh, sensitive situation or tough conversation is on your mind. Um, sure. Just to give your listeners, uh, you know, some context, you know, we're a Fortune 1000 firm that prizes uh, first growth. And then our, you know, key metrics are typically customer satisfaction and speed. Um, but the issue I want to bring up with you and uh, your esteemed community is that um, my number two person, um, he helps keeping, he helps keep us focused, um, prioritized and efficient. But in doing so, he has become the keeper of no. And as you know, that's not a great thing. Um, and consequently, over time, as my successor, he's uh, not well-liked by many. So in order to get a win-win, I thought I'd call in and uh, see if you and your STEAM community can uh, help me approach this challenge. I, I love this one. Uh, thank you for raising it, John. So let me ask you, um, from your perspective... On a scale of 1 to 10, how aware is your number two that he's Mr. No and not very well liked? 10 is like he's totally aware and doesn't, you know, just thinks it's fine. Uh, you know, 5 would be like half, 50% he's aware. Yeah, you know, I th- like to think that I uh, hire people smarter than myself. But, uh, you know, I, I'd probably give him the benefit down and say like a 6, right, because we all have our blind spots. And, uh, you know, when the staff comes to start talking to you about, you know, some of your leadership team, you know that uh, um, there's a significant blind spot, right? Yeah, yeah, I got that. So let's start with you. When you think about this situation, you're observing it and you're having to deal with it, what comes up for you? Well, I think the first thing, right, is, uh, you know, again, um, denial, because we're all trying to focus on our top 10 or 100 things in the day, right? So it's like, no, it can't be, right? I mean, again, we all get along. You know, I hate to use the word family because that's what some of my mentors use, but, you know, um, we're all collaborative, right? So there shouldn't be really, you know, an issue, right, that um, the ground troops would, uh, you know, raise, um, you know, without going through, again, right, the appropriate person. So, you know, first of all, I think it's, uh, you know, some level of denial. And then I think about, uh, you know, the pros and cons of, no, he's, like I just said, he's helping keeping us focused, right? There's lots of crazy ideas that are out there. We don't have enough time to try them all, right? So we need to, to prioritize and focus, and that's what he certainly does, you know, and making sure that, uh, you know, again, your typical number two, right, is focused on inside um, operations, making you more cost-efficient, right, uh, making, making sure that you're using the right resources in the right places. So I can see, right, that, um, you know, people are saying, hey, you know, um, he's kind of like a roadblock or, you know, a filter, you know, to, to me, the boss. Yeah, got it. Okay, so great to know what's going on for you and for folks listening. When, when we have emotions that may not be serving us, this is the opportunity to exhale that. And you know, denial is certainly a fair, fair thing. It may help um, to think about the fact, particularly as the leader, you're in charge of the behaviors that everyone models and holding people to account to the same behavior. So being liked per per se is you know, not necessarily the point. Some organizations may actually have that as a value, but the notion of people feeling respected, of uh, people feeling like they are heard, these are kinds of things that as the first leader, you're really in charge of. And it sounds like when when folks have a Mr. No, you know, there's, there's this sense of not really being valued and heard. So I think 
I say that because it's important to have a real purpose, a driver for change. Like, why do I even have to deal with it? Because in some cases, you could leave things be, right? There's no reason to necessarily go there. So I think it is for your own mind clarifying what, why is it that this matters for me to step in? Does that make sense, John? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that part of, uh, you know, from a, a leader when we do top-down, right, is we're supposed to provide first principles of how people can, you know, innovate and be autonomous. The reverse side, right, is the cultural aspect that you're talking about of where people are giving you feedback, right, and being willing. And as you know, with high-performance teams, basically what you want uh, people to do, right, is to feel, like you said, respected, collaborative, that their ideas, uh, their actions matter. And uh, that way, you know, for a lack of a better term, if I use one of my evil mentors' terms, right, you're going to be able to get more casual overtime out of them at the very least. But <laughs> I think in a team-oriented uh, um, you know, culture, right, you're going to get uh, the best uh, ideas, um, you know, when all the brains, all the eyeballs, all the hands work together. Uh, that's when you really, you know, um, take market share or, you know, if I can say, I'm, I guess this is talk radio, right, so you, you kick butt, you know, I'll use that term. Yep, yep. Okay, so then we approach, so let's just call him Sam for the sake of it. So it's like, Sam, okay. we've worked together, right? So it's a pause, Sam. So grateful for all that you have contributed over the years. There's so much, you know, so much value you've created, whatever is an authentic way to acknowledge a person. So it's a positive note, right? And so I think that the idea of like feedback with grace, that's inspiring. I say, you know, so I, I think we all have some blind spots. I'd like to chat about something that I think holds you and us back. And I know that we can find a way forward that I think is better for you and for the organization can we talk about that now? So it's just getting permission, but it's also setting up, you know, this isn't an all unicorns and rainbows conversation, but it's also not a death and destruction conversation. So you're, 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 you're modeling for him that as we grow, we can be better. And it says, you know, um, I've observed, and so I think it's great to talk from the first hand, that um, folks may respond to you in a certain way, whatever, however you want to think about that so that he can start to maybe think about how other people feel, that other people may not um, appreciate you as much as I'd like. He just kind of put that out. What, what is he saying? So why do you think that might be? So anyway, to quickly get to a question so that Sam has to think, well, you know, well, listen, I tell people bad news all the time. So he's bringing that forth. Fantastic. And one of the greatest, in fact, one of the greatest compliments I got once was, you know, Molly, you can tell, you can tell me bad news in a way that I can hear it. I mean, I was, I felt so proud at that moment because that's tough. And said, so, look at, I get we have you in a tough position. So acknowledging his position. And at the same time, the ability for the team to feel heard, want to work together, you know, there's a fine line there. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to help empower people, inspire people while at the same time helping them do the right thing. Something like that, for example. Pause. What do you think? And he may just say, you know, yeah. appreciate that. Or he may say, John, just to put it out there, well, I don't really have time for that, John. Okay, like I'm busy. You're holding me to account. I don't have time. Hey, I got that. So say more. Well, it would take, well, what do you mean it would take more time? And so help him. Sometimes people don't do that because they don't have the words, literally. And so it's easy. And you obviously are very <laughs> articulate. So just give him a, an idea of some ways to do that. And then, then, and then see where he's at. So let me pause. How's that landing for you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you're giving me some, um, you know, things to you know, ponder and uh, run through my head a couple more times. Because uh, yeah, definitely we... Um, I think as leaders want to um, have something at least, uh, you know, talking points, right, to, to get through. But it's it's okay to just, like you're saying, uh, maybe do a Socratic approach and ask an open-ended question because my mind went to the fact that, yeah, we have to get um, our listener, right, or our deputy um, to the point of uh, open-mindedness, right, if we're going to do some kind of change or, or transformation, um, either in behavior or in activity. So, um, you know, no, again, being a reminder, we don't have to have all the answers. What we just have to do is have the working space or the framework, right, for for people to participate in um, in order to get, you know, for lack of a term, a win-win, right, or a win-win-win, where, yeah. you know, I'm happy, 
right? The other party's happy, and maybe the entire, you know, team is also happy, right? And the fact that, you know, they're, they're being heard by the entire leadership team rather than, you know, just me. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I think we also fall into the trap, as you said. Um, we, we as leaders, we like delivering good news. We hate delivering bad news, right? So we usually hire somebody else to do that. And uh, it's not typically fair for whoever you put in as a, the keeper of no or the person that has to go and fix problems, right, or, or you know, do other things that are not easy, right, um, yeah. versus uh, the things that are easy or the things that people like to do. Yeah. Let me add in here um, to normalize for leaders because I think – that the person, even though one could say, don't take it personally, we all have to grow. I have to grow, Sam. So you're modeling that. But normalizing the fact that, look at we're asking the whole organization to grow. We're asking our people to grow. And as leaders, we have to model that growth. That's totally normal. You know, we're hardly perfect specimens up here. And so, you know, I really appreciate you taking this on so that we're really modeling for the folks that up at the the top here, we see that, you know, we have areas to improve and that we can help everyone else. I will go a step further and, you know, my mentor, Marshall Goldsmith, has this, when people change behaviors, right, it's, it's it, it, the person can actually change the behavior. The harder thing is changing people's perception of Sam. So they may perceive him as Mr. No. So to the extent that he can get comfortable and be upfront. So, you know, I realize that sometimes I'm a little bit harsh on the team and let his team know, I want you to know I'm really working on this. And then he'll check back in a few weeks. You know, I've been trying it. What are you, what are you noticing? So ha- ask him to invite people. They may not be noticing anything. Hey, that's okay. I just want you to know I'm really leaning into this. And I'll check back in a few more weeks to see if I'm coming across in a way that you feel hurt. Now, that is not the easiest thing for a lot of leaders to do. So if you can get to that state, that's huge because then the whole system is appreciating that for Sam to succeed with this behavior change, like we're here contributing. And oh, by the way, that would then go down the next level. So you're starting to really normalize the um, need for everyone to grow and that we want to be open about it. We're not trying to hide the fact that we're trying to you know, fix that We're not fixing anyone. And we're just trying to create more range in how we move through space. So this is such a fascinating conversation. I'm dying to hear how it goes. Before we go, John, do you have a top takeaway from our little conversation? Yeah, I think you know. Again, what you remind me of, you know, what uh, you know, some of Marshall's uh, you know frameworks as well in thinking through, right? That uh, you know, we need to also be. Um, open to, you know, the perception of what others' uh, inputs are. Um, again, like you mentioned before, um, getting a person to, like, open-mindedness, uh, maybe even using the Socratic method of just ask, opening, you know, open-ended questions, you know, so to speak, um, before getting to some of the, um, you know, harder topics. And then as, you know, that gives me a framework in my style, right, then to kind of add on, like like I said, and trying to figure out what the, the win-win is for, um, for that. Um, you know, I didn't mention also the fact that, uh, you know, as my number two, um, you know, in our succession plan, you know, if I get hit by a truck, um, you know, he takes over. So I would like to think that, uh, you know, again, um, we're leaving a foundation uh, for the business that, uh, you know, for however we move on as leaders, right, it, uh, the organization continues to systemically grow and, and move forward. And so um, thinking through, right, what would make him, as you said, you know, a little bit softer or, you know, we're able to um, present more of his, you know, management style as opposed to just, you know, don't don't go to Sam. He's always going to say no. Um, you know, the thing that tweaked in my mind was, you know, um, that I used to do when I was a number two was, you know, say, hey, you know, just don't come to me with an idea. Come to me with, you know, a potential solution on how to either implement that idea or to become more efficient. And if you need some time to, to do that, I'm willing to sit down and talk with you through that, right? So that, I mean, it is your idea. So, um, you know, to help propagate it through the rest of the team. So, um, you know, just thinking about some of the older pages in the playbook, right, and, and maybe dusting them off and um, making sure that, uh, you know, Sam has those in his toolkit as well. Yeah, one thing I want to clarify just for listeners, and I think oftentimes we have heard, you know, don't come to me, you know, if you don't have a solution to the problem. And I know that that sounds like we're kind of helping people think it through, but oftentimes 
folks actually may not. And for leaders, that can really backfire. So I think creating the safe space that do your best to, to think about it. If you have a problem, you can't solve it. Please don't hide it. We, I want you to come to me, create space because, you know, we don't want this to be some unknown because you don't have the answer. You feel like you're going to look bad by raising an issue. So I just do want to shout out for folks to, to not put that kind of pressure on people um, because that sometimes can backfire. John, thank you. Keep me posted. Yeah. I appreciate your joining okay. me on Sitting Skillfully, and thanks for being part of the solution. Okay. Talk to you later, Molly. Have a good day. Ciao. Next caller, oh, from across the Atlantic in London, I'm pleased to welcome John, another John, to the show. Welcome. Hey, welcome. Molly, how are you? <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous now that I'm speaking with you. What uh, Say It Skillfully challenges on your mind? <laughs> well, I have two, and you can either you can take a pick from the two, or you, if time permitting, we, we, we can grapple with both. They, they, they're on a similar theme which is you know, two individuals who I care about are colleagues, but, but colleagues I, I, I believe in and want to be successful, are both um, frustrated with, with bosses and um, asking me for advice. And uh, I'm not sure I've got the perfect advice to give. And I wanted to sort of see if, if you could chime in on these two dilemmas. So uh, yes. does that sound reasonable? I'll, I'll yes. describe both, and then you can decide uh, which one you want to grapple um, with or both. Yeah, we, we just go with one, and then we'll do the second one. So we'll, we'll do them both. All right. That sounds super. All right. Well, a bit of context, uh, as your previous caller gave. You know, I work at a, a major research institution, um, and, and my colleague is, is, is part of that. The, the first uh, dilemma I'm going to describe is one where, you know, I'm not – directly able to insert myself in this problem. This is more uh, sort of removed from, from, from my day-to-day responsibility, so it's more a matter of giving advice at a distance. But it's someone who, you know, in the era of COVID-19 and, and limited budgets, is, is, was, you know, starting to be concerned about job security and, you know, had a sit-down with um, her direct manager, who, you know, typically has been very forthcoming and straightforward to understand and so on, um, but, but expresses concerns about, you know, well, what does this new economic climate mean for job security and so on, and, you know, is assured that everything's fine, nothing to worry about, um, goes her own way, and then later that same day, um, there's an announcement from, from elsewhere in the institution that a peer of hers who is, you know, at the same level, has been in the organization the same amount of time, same kind of level of seniority and responsibilities, um, is going to be promoted to, to another level. And then she is now trying to figure out, what, what did I do wrong? Why, why wasn't, you know, shouldn't my boss have told me about this kind of thing, given that I was literally having a conversation around job security and such, and here I'm kind of blindsided and, and told about this public promotion of a peer of mine, and what does that mean? Oh, what should wow. I do? Wow, this is a great one. I love it. Okay, thank you, thank you. So uh, I, I appreciate your um, feeling and, and kind of her insecurity potentially about a job, which is normal for so many people. So the meta skill, the energy of, of compassion and coming across with compassion first and foremost, I think helps set the stage for a person um, because it's tough, you know, it, and it's very legit. Um, and these are kind of can be make or break job security. So um, just know that coming across in a way which is listening and caring not feeling like you have to have the answers, really, but that, that being there for the person is huge value add. So that's a, it's a little bit of a no-brainer. It doesn't cost you anything, but it really does help <laughs> yeah. people a lot. Yeah, so not to discount that. And then I think that the, having, you know, some empathy, gosh, I, I appreciate, and just perhaps coach this person. So, you know, how are you feeling? What's going on for you? And helping that person just process what exactly, yeah. right? So I'm feeling. So just to get have her. Oftentimes they know what's going on, but when they put it out into the, into, I call it shared reality. So you hear it. It helps them really work through it. And I, you may not be doing anything, but just saying. She may say blindsided. I feel disrespected. I feel like I was stupid. Whatever it is, and just help her yeah. get through that, so that she can get that out. Because I think that 
it's it's very difficult to approach another human being effectively if we're not really in good relationship with ourselves. So going through that, and then intention is helping. So this is going on. You know, what would you like to happen? Well, I think my my boss, blah, blah, just have her articulate what she wants to have happen. Because if we don't know the end state, it's very hard to figure out what's the conversation going to, what, how, how you want it to go. So just clarifying what's most important about it. And so I'll just make this up. She may just say, you know what, I, you know, I feel like a fool because I'm worried about job security. When in fact, I should have been thinking about like being promoted. Okay, well, that's on her. That really is nothing to do with oh, the yeah. Let's talk about that, that, right? And then she may say, well, I just feel like um, I wasn't trusted because I would have thought that I would he would have given me the courtesy of the heads up as we spoke. So you might just say, okay, well, that's very valid. Now, I don't, I don't, you know, we don't know that he was deliberately holding back or I'm just calling this guy a he, yeah. um, or if perhaps it was, you know, not appropriate because of what have you. So I think the coaching could then be like, okay, let's just say this, Lewis. Lewis, you know, I'm so excited that to see so-and-so promoted. I think that's great to show the internal advancement and I'm cheering for this person. I'm going to here to help that person be successful, right? So in that requires this, this person to let go of any negative, right? So she has to be like team player. So, you know, I, I'm, uh-huh. I'd just love to go back to our conversation and I felt X, whatever she felt. You know, and 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 so leave that, put that out there. Um, and I I don't think that that's how you you intended for me to feel. So I'd, I'd like to have a little chat about that because I want us to have a fully trusting relationship. Pause. Uh, that's excellent, Molly. Really, really helpful. Uh, this is this is this is why I called in. That's that, that, that's fantastic. <laughs> thank thank you so much for that. I, I will welcome. convey that to my friend and colleague uh, a little bit later today. That's really super important. So, so the other dilemma is, is on a theme and one where I can inject myself more easily into the, into the uh, dilemma um, if, if, if it is appropriate. And I think I, I can't quite decide whether it's appropriate. So again, it's on the theme of a boss who is causing some degree of frustration. Um, and this is a situation where, um, again, it's, it's a woman that I, I, I work with, I've mentored, um, who's now in a different part of the organization and is at the point where she is ready to leave the organization because she perceives the degree of incompetence of her boss and sort of crossed the threshold. Uh, and this is, you know, enough's enough. I must literally leave the organization. And um, what I'm struggling with is, uh, you know, to what extent do I trust her opinion about her boss? To what extent do I marry it to other data I have uh, about this individual? And to what extent it makes sense for her to move on? And what, you know, or do I, do I step in? I'm not, I'm not in that chain of command, um, but I'm an influencer. Right? So I could put myself into the middle of, of this. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling with what advice to do and whether to take action myself. Uh, and I can tell, another, tell, more, tell you more if you need more. But uh, that's, that's the basics. That's fantastic. I I appreciate these. First, I just want to thank you for being a mentor to all colleagues and particularly women in the organization. Shout out for that because I think that that's what we need vice versa. It's just this cross-pollination and and, and supporting each other. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that first. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Okay, so for the organization, right, just take – it's great to kind of – take the high level, like here we are, we're about the whole. And in an organization generally, we want, you know, great talent to stay. So, you know, presuming, yeah. you know, yeah. you've mentored and she, her. And she, this woman is spectacular. Very, she's very spectacular. Awesome. Yeah. That's right. So, so I think that that is a great intention. And she's, it's great for the organization. And as, you know, a colleague, someone you've mentored, you care about this person also being happy. So I think the uh, approaching with the twofold intention of um, Karen Gosh, you know, I'm really sad that you're unhappy, and I, 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 just, I really want to see if there's any way I can be supportive for you to be happy. And two, selfishly, I'm part of this organization, and I would really be loath to see you leave. And you're know, just putting that out there. 
um, would it be okay if we have a chat and I'm happy to help, you know, talk it through and potentially um, weigh in if I can be of service. You're not, you're not forcing your way in. You just yeah. ask, right? And so I think a similar approach, you know, what's going on for you and it may be venting. He's this, he's that, la, la, la. So, uh, I'm hearing a lot of frustration. So, you know, I appreciate how you're feeling now. And thinking about this, it can be hard to, if you will, look at it objectively and solve for a situation when we're overly emotional, right? Do you want to take a time out? Do you want to come back? Just help, just not making emotions wrong, but we don't want them to control us. We want to be able to, you know, um, work beyond them. So, so give uh, her a chance to like exhale, I'll call that exhale, right? The frustration and say, so I'm not here and just say, I'm here to be neutral and just ask questions. I'm not picking sides. You know, I said, I heard you say, and she made say, he's this, he's that. So if you stepped outside, you know, is that something? And just help her see, is that her experience of this person? Is it fact? Is it fact? And I think lots of times I, I feel this, I see this, and it becomes this fact, when in fact it's not necessarily exactly yeah. a fact. It's the way someone no. receives it. So again, yeah, you're not yeah. making her wrong or bad. Yeah, you just yeah. ask her. I'm one. I'm wondering, and then you can take it to. I remember when I was really up, fed up with this person, and I, you know, I said this, and then I realized, gosh, John, you're really making a little bit more of this. You know, I'm I'm imposing my uh, my truth on a situation, and just see what goes on there, and then say, you know, this is the deal. You know, this other person. Let's just say this person has value to add. If we don't help this person grow not unlike I was helping you grow when I was mentoring you, you know, we're all part of the problem. You know, if we think that either a behavior yeah. or something we're doing, yeah, is not serving the organization and we don't say anything, guess what? We're not bad people, but we're part of the problem. So let me pause. How's that? No, no, I know. I, I like that reframing very much. Well, that's, that's, that's super helpful, Molly. I love it. These are fantastic scenarios. So before we wrap, John, what would your top takeaways from our little conversation be? Oh, I got to take it be about the conversation with the previous John. I have to say, I, I, I aspire to get better at conveying bad news. Like I, I, I never heard it phrased just the way you phrased it, but it, it caught me. It totally got my attention. And I realized that's, that's, that's a skill that I think all of us should practice. Undoubtedly, it's a skill that can be nurtured and, and improved. And I, I haven't crazy though it sounds like I haven't explicitly thought about developing that muscle so I, I'm gonna my to do is to, to get better at uh, you know giving bad news well that was that was a, a, a lovely insight yay well I thank you for modeling growth for all of our listeners and for taking the time to call in and uh, chat with me and most of all thanks for being part of the solution you take good care John thanks so much Molly take care bye-bye Oh, so fun. Okay, next we have Joanne from Houston. Joanne, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Um, thank you. Thank you, Molly. Fantastic to have you on the show. What uh, is top of mind for you today? How can I be of help? Um, well, I, you know, I would be interested to... Um, I just caught the tail end of your 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 last caller, um, but I guess I'm I'm someone who also is interested in how we come together uh, a little more than we separate ourselves, and when we encounter uh, challenges, and not everyone sees it exactly the way we do, you know, how do we keep from separating into our corners? Um, as opposed to, um, you know, trying to find the commonality and find a direction that um, we can all make progress to, toward. Um, in particular, uh, around inclusivity in, in corporate or, or workplaces. Yes, hot topic. Thank you, Joanne, for bringing it up. Um, do you have a particular 
example of when it didn't go perhaps the way you would have liked? Because I can make it a little bit more granular, or I'm happy to take it at a yeah. higher level. Um, you know, I, I, I think there are, I certainly have some, you know, some specific examples from my past. I was a, a woman in the oil and gas industry and started way back in the early 80s. Um, and, and so there are certainly um, um, experiences that came up during that time. But what kind of, you know, fascinates me is I spent almost 30 years with upstream oil and gas companies. And during that time, I raised a family and climbed the corporate ladder, if you will, and all of those things and got busy. You know, so things were kind of tough and iffy. I was in the field in the 80s, and then we had big diversity and inclusion programs that were launched in the 90s. And then, like I said, I got busy. And, you know, 15 years later, I guess I'll say, I looked up and looked around and kind of assumed all of those things had gone away, that we had gotten much better. I lived in a pretty small, I guess, little bubble with a large independent company, and and there was some good progress there. So I kind of made an assumption that everyone else was moving in that direction. And I guess what for me is I wonder, how is it that we can be 30 years later from the first time I was introduced to a diversity and inclusion program, and we still have some of the struggles, certainly in the oil and gas industry, if we look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you know, the diversity numbers, particularly for people of color, are, I'll use the word abysmal, and that's not right, and, but, um, you know, how is it that we can have uh, uh, people in power, if you will, that have great vision statements and mission statements? And I've spent, I think the estimates are billions of dollars on, on trying to get better at this. And yet, um, I think if I, it was at a Deloitte, uh, just published a millennial survey that said 67% of Gen Zers and millennials believe that diversity and inclusion is only lip service in their companies. So I guess if there's more something more specific, it is, do you have any thoughts on how to have those conversations? How do, how does someone that perhaps is in an organization um, who isn't feeling particularly included, how is that going to, uh, how does that go, how do they go about, you know, trying to have a conversation um, uh, about um, what their needs are, ask for what they want? Uh, I cannot thank you enough for raising this. First, let me honor you, pioneer in your field, oil and gas in the 80s, way to go, and do the family work balance. That's amazing. So my uh, hat is off to you, Joanne, for doing that, and I appreciate the um, caring you have about the situation. And I would have to also share a bit of your somewhat incredulousness, like, wow, we've been at it for three decades, and this is as good as we've gotten. doesn't seem like we could be only here. Um, So I hear you on that. Um, So I'll share um, personal, my personal sense on this, right? So I'm not an expert in the DNI, but I've I've kind of lived it. And what I would um, say is that we we kind of sit back in organizations and say, well, someone else is supposed to solve for this. Um, And so we have programs that go in place. And as they're going in in place, it's not as if people who are in the trenches, it's not as if they don't get that they're not working. They, They know it's not really working. However, if that experience of the program not, not working, even though well intentioned doesn't bubble up so that the leadership actually appreciates that it's not working, where you just have this disconnect where the program, we have a program, which is supposed to equal progress, which we know it doesn't, and it becomes a bit of a head fake, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you know we're doing everything we can, and it can't be done, or people don't want to, and people make up whatever excuses. So I personally think that the way to go forward today is as basic as all of us are here. We have all created this current state. We're all part of the problem, and 
we're all part of the solution. I don't think there's ever, I think to me, this is the most important um, part of this. I'm not blaming people. I'm just saying that's, it's a fact. And so for the folks at the top, well-intentioned, it's really saying, Hey, we haven't, we have obviously have not created the space for people to really bring their full selves to work. Cause most of the surveys would, would say that. And that, and that's just saying, Hey, let's just own that. Let's not make it that everyone else is wrong, but that somehow it's, it's not working. And I think that current state awareness of all this stuff that's in motion, you know, maybe it's not hurting, but it may not really be working as much as we think. And I think that is hard for the people to, to kind of own, to be honest with you. And so on the flip side, for the folks at the base, I'll call them, the voice is saying, it's easy to say, look at these guys don't get it. They're not getting it. You know, fold my arms, sit back. The leadership is the problem, which is also not the way to go. It, it, you, you, whether it's right or wrong, it's, it's actually not the point. The point is we all have to own our piece, even if it's 2% of the problem. So if you felt that in a meeting you were talked over or you didn't have a chance, but you didn't somehow say something, then really how would anybody know? Okay, so then to your point, Joanne, how do, how do people say it? So um, I think that the the first part is just within one's own self. Um, I am an introvert. I know people find that crazy. It has, it's been a learned thing for me to speak up and share. And for a lot of folks, you know, that might not be right. Um, I don't have the answer. I'm very junior. All of those are legit. I think that the opportunity is to say, if I want this organization to be the best it can be, so I can love working here, the, the way it is isn't working right now, and I need to do something. And so I would really implore all folks listening, you know, think about your purpose, your why, um, so that's something that gives you motivation to, to make a shift. And then I think when you think about an organization being great, this Deloitte study is a great one, just, just to share, hey, this came out, you know, these people did the study, statistically valid. And I'm wondering, how do we think we're really doing? And as a, you know, in the base, could we ask, could we have a conversation about how, how much we think we're all actually contributing the way we think we want to and could, and just have dialogue about that. And I would encourage folks not to solve, but just to get on the same page. Folks have heard me say shared reality. So I'll just pause for a moment. How is that landing for you? Uh, so I, I, yes, totally. Um, I, I think there is a, a lot to be said about, you know, uh, creating some visibility so that, you know, people, whether it's uh, at the top, as you say, or at the base, um, this, this concept of a shared reality, because I do think, uh, that happens. Um, I also think, um, you know, sometimes I think if we, we get caught up in the the corporate accountability, right? We're all accountable. And as you say, that then is easy to think that someone else is dealing with that. Um, so I, to, to build on that a little bit, can you say a little bit about how uh, about employee resource groups or um, networks or you know, companies call them various things, the affinity groups. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about the role and how those can be more helpful or have they been helpful in, in, in getting us to where we are 30 years later? Thank you for asking about these groups. Again, I've been a part of some of these and I've observed these, so I am not at all speaking as an HR practitioner. So for all the listeners out there, my experience of this, um, having been women, having been Asian, is there is a lot of value for helping a tribe come together. I use the word tribe, right? Some common thread to, um, to appreciate that we're not the only one. We're not the only ones having this experience. We're not crazy. We're not bad. We're not wrong. We're just, just it, I think it really helps to create some support system um, for, for very legitimate reasons culturally, you know, whether Asians perhaps aren't um, raised to be so outspoken, for example, or, you know, just the, the common thread and having 
a group to really have the safe space and trust, I think is very useful. I was in a woman's leadership development program that served me very well. So I think that there is absolutely a role for them. That said, they're not the, you know, an end game, you know, um, answer, end all answer at all to the problem. Because in the notion of um, inclusion and embracing difference, I mean, it really is about embracing the difference. I mean, innovation is about things that are different. And we all say we want to innovate, yet when things are different, it's not necessarily easy to embrace it and look at the plus side of that. Um, And embracing difference for the me is when you think about the dominant group, that that dominant group has to appreciate, and I use this in a cheeky way, like the women, I once had this woman who who was really, she had wild hair and she went home to her mom and said, you know, they somehow, she got feedback about tying her hair back in a ponytail. And, you know, she was all upset about it. And her mom was like, you know, I get it. And so at the end of the day, is that as big of a deal? So she made this concession saying, I'm not going to make myself known about my hair. I'm just going to go on and do that. Now, that's great for the, if you will, the minority disadvantaged group to make some shifts, right? to um, be more outspoken, to, to improve presentation skills. But what we're missing is what, does, what shifts does the dominant group need to make? And again, people aren't going forward and trying to marginalize and trying to hold people back. Okay, in some environments they are, and that the bigger question as listeners have heard me say is why are you in that environment? But I would say the vast, vast majority of folks want to create an environment where people can feel heard, where we embrace difference, where we feel like we can bring our whole selves to work. The issue is they're just not really aware of what they're doing that's actually not creating uh, an ideal space. And unless anyone, someone tells them or offers different things that they might try, they're never going to know. So I, I really encourage integration. Um, and I think this is also incumbent on dominant groups to put the obvious branch out and say, hey, look, at, we've obviously contributed to this current state that's not exactly ideal. Help, you know, what is it that, you know, system, system, systemically we may have done? What is it that one-off we may have done? And just get educated, get curious. Because this thing didn't just happen, you know, kind of magically. It's happened by people having certain actions that didn't serve others. And, and we need to kind of peel it back. I just think and look at people for the humans that they are and, and listen. So there's um, there's also a bit of a move up front, um, just some conversations I've had with a couple of companies around trying to say, you know, what we don't want to do is we do want uh, our organization to be inclusive and that perhaps the uh, individual affinity groups uh, that support the tribe, as you referenced it, is that perhaps that is um, putting up barriers from us being inclusive. And so we're going to move to this idea of instead of having uh, a resource group for women, for Asians, for black employees, you know, et cetera, um, maybe what we need to do is have um, one big group and we are trying to move more toward, you know, having this model, if you will, and how we support each other that is inclusive. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? You know, I do on that. And I think that, you know, I, I think the difference, um, we want to honor that and give people a chance to lean into that difference. So if being with a group of a tribe create some sense of community. Now, not to be exclusive, like people aren't welcome, but to honor some of the ways, whether it's cultural norms or interests, groups. I think personally, if you were to, you know, reach out to whoever the constituent base is and just say, hey, where are we at on this? How do we want to construct this so it works for folks rather than a top-down approach? To me, this is absolutely, how do we ignite the base, understand where people are, ask them what they would like to have, and and provide an opportunity for people to do that. I'll just use the example of the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. And Frances Hasselbein, who was one of the top CEOs, she's my idol, she led the Girl Scouts for many years, and they had started to integrate Boy Scout and Girl Scout. And, 
you know, Francis was very vocal and she says, that's why, what is that? I mean, the, the boys needs a forum to be the boys and let's not make that wrong or bad that they need, you know, to, they need that. And again, I'm not here to argue right or wrong. I just feel like the, you know, to, to turn it all to beige. I mean, this, I think you get to the fact when you think about participation and you hear about these days, everyone gets a trophy. I'm like, well, every, you know, it's great. And everyone's trying, we want to reward effort, but you either got the result or you didn't. And it just is a fact. And so we should be able to, you know, have the performance base come through in a way where people still feel like you're a good person. You had great effort. You just didn't, you didn't come out first. And we're not going to pretend that you were first because you weren't first, which is totally, you're still a great person. So again, I'm not here to kind of label it as a right or wrong, but I do think having open-hearted conversations in an organization to understand the purpose um, of whether you're you're doing them or not doing them, how it serves people, what they get out of it, and giving f- folks the voice, I think, is actually part of the whole opportunity, rather than to necessarily, you know, pick a structure. Um, and at a leadership level, you look at, we're not trying to get mayhem here, but you, you are starting to get, it gets a little messy, you know, in this period of time, because people are also learning how to use their voice. And, you know, when you're given the privilege to use your voice, this notion of using it skillfully, I think, is part of one's responsibility, but not everyone has that skill set, right? So they may speak up in a way that their point is very valid, but the way they share it actually turns people off and you get a chance of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'll pause. Thoughts? Great, great. Well, I do think I'm a little like you. I mean, I'm listening and hearing as people talk about that. Um, I, I think the, what, you know, the notion of beige is not what we're going for. I wouldn't think that would be our goal. Um, and I kind of wonder um, how and who might end up doing all of the flexing um, in that situation. And um, that's a little, um, I guess, a bit of a concern for me is that you wouldn't want to set something up. Just another Oh, another structure which is somehow going to have a dominant and and uh, people then that are expected to be more flexible. So that's I guess that's a a bit of a, a concern that I have. Um, that so I, I appreciate your 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 thoughts on that. Yeah, I I, I I it's 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 hard to come up with like the solution. I know everyone wants to jump to task and jump to what do we do, and I would say in a lot of those situations, you know, getting everybody on the same page, if you will, the shared reality of the current state. Um, How do people feel? Um, Are people holding their own selves accountable and saying, you know, am I really, I mean, am I just holding back? Like I really could be speaking, but I'm just not speaking because that's not my boss's problem. That's my problem. (laughs) Right. And, And so I think that there is a learning Uh, with each individual that needs to happen and we need to provide space for that. I think as a leadership, the, the opportunity to say, we want people to be, be able to bring their whole self to say what they think needs to be said in a respectful way. We think these are the behaviors that serve us. If you don't want to behave this way, that you're certainly okay. You're that's your prerogative and you're still a good human being, but this is, you're choosing not to work here because this is how, we want to work together. I mean, I think it's a chance for leaders to really clarify their leadership principles and their values and then to hold themselves and everyone around them to account. So for me, well, I think it can be quite very frustrating. I personally am super optimistic. I think that the millennial, the younger generation, you know, I'm very inspired by them. So I I want to close this off as I think that we really are going to be much, much better for this. A little bumpy along the way, but I know that we can get there. Um, we've had a great chat and lots have been covered. Joanne, do you have a particular top takeaway that you're leaving with? Um, I guess I, 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 I like the, you know, your, your focus um, or, and your reiteration of the importance of a shared reality. Um, and I, I appreciate that um, 
from my experience, I also think that oftentimes we get very caught up in the vision and where we're going. And don't get me wrong, that's critical, clearly. But sometimes if we don't understand that not each of us is starting from the same starting point, then it's very difficult to support people along the way. And I think too often we do make this assumption that everyone else is seeing this challenge the same way we are. And so we don't spend much time to try to say, are we all at the same place? And if we're not, how do we support the people that might be at different places and, and try to come to that, that reality? So that's probably a, uh, a good, good uh, something that was very important for me to uh, hear again. It's wonderful. I appreciate you. Thank you for being you and contributing the way you are. I'm grateful that you joined this show and uh, being part of the solution. And if I can be of more help, don't hesitate, Joanne, to reach out. Take good care. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. I'll do a quick scenario from a friend from LinkedIn um, and asked for advice when someone else says the exact same thing you just said, right? But they didn't notice you and they noticed that other person. And the question was, did they say it more skillfully? And I call this beating the wallflower syndrome. Um, noticing it happen, it's a little, sometimes it can be hard to, to loop back. One way to tackle this is um, to team up. And I think for folks who um, may have seen this go on, to, to be the one to call it out and to say, hey, just a second, you know, Gosh, um, John, that's a great comment you meant. I just want to acknowledge, I actually heard um, um, Stella say that comment a few moments ago and just want to call that out. So that's a way to advocate for another person. You're not making anyone bad or wrong. And it may just be an awareness, well, we didn't hear. Now, for folks who, and I did not have you know, a big voice early on, I think the opportunity to notice how you're getting attention from folks the eye leaning, the eye contact, perhaps it's raising a hand. Hey, great idea. Acknowledge the other person. Take some time. Speak more slowly. Try some different ways to communicate that may land um, and resonate and be heard by others. So I just offer that. Um, and I'd like to uh, close um, with something that I, I learned in my yoga class yesterday, online yoga class. Thank you to my amazing yoga teacher, Matt Giordano, who can be found at theyogimat.com. In yoga, we may think of flexibility in the physical sense. Um, and in times of great change and uncertainty, here's an opportunity to summon your own flexibility as an asset in an emotional, mental way. Um, and to help you, you might think in these tough times, think of water running in a stream. If it encounters a rock, it goes around the rock, or perhaps it goes over and it keeps flowing. So I hope that that metaphor of water may be useful. I thank you for tuning in. That's a wrap. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out sayitskillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.